Welcome, everyone, once again to Bandwidth. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, it's been a tumultuous week with lots of things happening all around the world, and we wanted to uh, bring you a little sense of normalcy here at Bandwidth. So I want you to welcome our friends once again. Uh, tonight, we have Bacon joining us. Bacon, please introduce yourself. Hello, hello. Craig here, or Bacon, here for another week of picks, drinks, and hopefully no drama. Are you uh, drinking anything special today? Uh, I had a bit of hay fever, so currently I have a uh, lem sip with whiskey, honey, sugar, lemon, and cloves. Oh my goodness. Wow. Charlie, I know that you've been working hard all week, but how are you doing? Uh, fine. I'm sipping fancy bottled water at the moment so nothing uh, <laughs> nothing out of the ordinary uh because uh if i start drinking now it's uh yeah my day tomorrow is ruined <laughs> that's fair that's fair wolf welcome once again <laughs> we've been hearing you laugh at, at people but uh how are you doing i'm doing all right um getting by that's good to hear uh, and once again, we have joining us uh, MTG Papa. Papa, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. It's uh, still over 100 degrees Fahrenheit here. And um, in the weather, uh, unfortunately, I don't have a drink with me because it's only 3 p.m. my time and a little early to start on a weekday. But, well. That's fair. That's fair. I am once again uh, enjoying some Doppelbach. Uh Apparently, when uh, when bars are not open in Wisconsin, uh, Doppelbox don't sell. Uh, it's our Easter beverage, uh, just like we have Oktoberfest in the fall. We have Doppelbach in the spring, and uh, it's all backstocked, and I'm getting it at a discount, and I absolutely love it. So uh, thank you all for joining us. One of the things that we love to do here at On The Bandwidth is talk about our $100 question and talk about where we would invest $100 today. And uh, part of that investment is uh, really identifying cards and identifying specs that uh, could make us a little bit of money in the short, mid, or long term. And, and some of us have answered all those questions, but really it's a lot of information to have everybody answer those all at once. So some people have chosen to uh, to just give one or two specs this time. And uh, we want to make this as easily accessible to you as possible. And Wolf will be putting it up in the, uh, in the spec sheet for our $100 question. So uh, Bacon, start us off. What is your short, mid, and long term? Where would you put $100 today? All right, so bear with me because I have a, a few to go through tonight and a large description to back them up. I had a few extra hours today, so just wanted to make sure I could get everything right. So short term that I have for this week is Crystalline Giant, which is the Mechagodzilla promotional card. It's the Japanese alternate art non-foil version. Not not the foil version. I'll, I'll go into that one a little bit later. But this is specifically the opposite to what I normally pick. This is a US arbitrage into the EU. And it also works from APAC region into the EU as well. Essentially, the, the, these have been selling fairly consistently on card market in the EU. 
but they have been selling, they started off around that 25 euro range. Some of them have even spiked as high as 49, but they're selling consistently each day and the day that they're there to kind of back up each sale. Um, when I looked into it a little bit further, I saw that the, the TCG numbers didn't seem very high. I saw there was a single one list just for $14. Um, and so when I pulled up the, the graphs on, on what's going on between the US market, the EU and the APAC region, uh, Harry Yuya, for example, over in uh, Asia, they're actually selling about 60 copies of this card for the equivalent of 14 euro and multiple TCG vendors. One of them even had uh, 12 copies at 14.95 in US dollars. But the, the market over here was still drastically uh, higher. And it's just purely because we didn't really get any of this stock over in Europe. Uh, there's just no one sticking any quantities of these Japanese alternate arts. Uh, and they are selling just because we don't have the supply, but there is still a demand. So essentially the, the, the play is that um, those of us in the EU, we need to reach out to our US partners, try and get them in. So even myself, I'm looking to pick up about, I'd say two, two play sets would be nice. If I could get them for $100, that'd be great. But uh, really, I'd be happy to even just have a single play set. Like if, I, if I could just go and spend 60 US dollars, pay for my shipping, I'd probably get these over here and get a 100 to 200% return on investment in about a six to eight week period. It would probably take me about two weeks to sort all the shipping and repackaging and advertise them. And then as soon as they're online over here, they, they'd move very quickly. So we're, in, in summary, those we're looking to get around the 15 to 17 dollar mark into the EU and selling them off at that 40 euro range. It is also worth looking at the foil copies because it's a similar scenario over here in Europe. We are selling them at a higher rate. They've been pushing up between that 90 and 100 euro mark. They are more inflated in uh, in the US, but it's, it still is a, a great card. Like the card looks beautiful to look at and it's gonna have a high demand. Really, you can't go wrong with these um, Godzilla-based cards, and even my next pick is a similar type of scenario. You can hold them for the short term, there's flips available, and you can even just hold on to them for the long term. So moving on now to my midterm pick. I've actually picked up the, uh, I'll see if I can pronounce this correctly, Snapdax Apex of the Hunt. Snapdax, yep, that's definitely it. So it is the, the King Caesar Awoken Titan alternate art. And this is the foil version, and this is specifically a Europe opportunity. And I actually picked this one up from some of the data from our newspaper at first. But then when I was actually looking through the quantities of the card and seeing what we had in Europe, I just happened to notice that the card is actually a cat. Um, and I didn't even pick this up last week. It's actually a dinosaur cat nightmare. So it it was already a good target because it's one of these Godzilla alternate art foils. It's a beautiful looking card. But now it also has this sub theme which just falls into the whole cats and dogs episode from last week. So it just randomly fits into that archetype perfectly. It is unfortunate that it has black mana symbols in the cost, so it couldn't be in a commander based deck with the new dog cat lord. But you can still try and uh, put it into a deck and have some shenanigans, say with uh, Morophon or, or something else based like that. This card is insanely cheap in the EU compared to the US market right now, and, and this is what kind of drove me into it as a midterm pick. 
in at TCG, these are roughly around the $14 mark with major retailers pushing in the $16 to $18 range if they have any. A lot of them are sold out. And in EU, you can get basic of these shipped. So I'm adding the shipping cost in for about €7. Euro. I think the lowest one I've seen is €5. Euro. You get about €2 euro shipping on top of that. And you can then also get uh, some vendors that have more quantity of the card pushing in that 8 to €9 euro range. And there's easily 60 copies that are just sitting in the, on the card market page. So as, as normal, EU hasn't caught up um, and it's just a great opportunity. The buy list is even covering the EU at the moment. Abu Games is paying uh, $12 roughly and trading for about $20 in credit. So you can actually just buy these right now and flip them at a profit. But I do think the, the better play on these is just to hold them for that four to, four to six month period. As we get towards Christmas, there's going to be all this extra ancillary product and we have a few extra sets being released. And it just makes sense that these are going to continue on their same trajectory. There, there is still a lack of uh, this product that's been open. We are aware of a second printing. I don't know if it's been released yet or if it's going to hit the markets, but it, it is coming. I don't really think it's going to affect the price of these specific foil mythics. It's pretty fantastic, all those picks. I didn't realize that there was an alternate art for uh, Mechagodzilla for Japan. Yeah, and... it was insane. I was literally just looking today at the short-term picks, and I was actually browsing through all of um, Charlie's picks from the, the previous week. How he was talking, just there was just a massive arbitrage market between the two. And then when I saw the Mechagodzilla, I thought I was looking at a mistake because, like our market is showing constant daily sales at 40 49 euro some some as low as 25 but they're always in that 35 to 45 euro mark and i thought i had the filter set wrong on tcg i'm like oh i've got foil clicked and i unclicked it. i'm like no no that's definitely right these are all 15 dollars. like the, the price is going to go uh it's going to crash over here when people start moving them over but it is like an extremely short-term play where you can jump on the market or you just hold them for a bit longer like it's it's a win-win and finishing off for this week, I have my long-term pick, and this is Flooded Grove from Masters 25, and that's specifically non-foil. This is also a, um, I mean, I've got it down as an EU-only option. If you can get these for a matching price in the US, you can, but I struggled finding prices that kind of matched. And I'll go into a little bit of a, a story here on, on why I'm picking this as a long-term. So based on the natural progression of the blue-green push, like we've, we've had so much blue-green based cards coming into the, the format, it's been it's been definitely affecting standard, but people are just getting more interested in playing these green-blue-based green -based decks in um, Commander. So because we're in a Commander-based format, I just I, I, I picked something similar the other week when I was looking at the, um, the Horizon Land can't remember the name of it now, the one that uh, you sacrifice to draw a card. That had similar kind of connotations and it had the same direction. But funnily enough, in the last few weeks, the Flooded Grove has really started to pick it up. And I actually picked this one up from uh, our newspaper. It was in our projected forecast. I think it was ranked number 11. And it was just showing that there was just a progressive increase. Um, there wasn't a reduction in quantities of the card. You can still get hundreds of these cards on TCG. You can still get a large amount in Europe as well. But the, the, the natural progression of the card is moving in the direction that it needs to be. And 
if you have a look through some of the graphs, you can see that this card specifically was stagnant around two years ago, say July 2018, and it held this $7 average market price from July 2018 all the way through until April 2020. And then in the last month, it's actually began gaining some traction. The, the volume isn't getting bought out and it's not decreasing in that sense, but it's just naturally increasing at a retail and market level. And the buyer list is just naturally following it because there is just more demand for people to want you to replay the card. And it's, it's pushing the value of the card up and it's a similar scenario with breeding pool. But basically anything which is a blue-green based, uh, non-basic land that's used in Commander is continuing to increase on a weekly rate. So uh, since April, this card has gained quite a bit of traction. And while the volume isn't getting brought out of the market, the natural demand of the playability is just steadily increasing. Um, and that's across market and buy list price. But the, the, the tipping point that trended me towards the Flooding Grove was the fact that the Card Kingdom buy list, which is kind of what we uh, we live by, it did increase the buy list average from that 3 to $4 range up to 7 which actually hit the previous retail. Um, and subsequently, the retail, especially on TCG, has now began pushing over $10 on the low. Main vendors are also pushing up to the $14 range, and Card Kingdom is now sold out at 12 which explains why their buy list increase was there as well. And once again, the EU is asleep at the will, and very large chunks of these are available starting at the €5.50 Euro mark and up to about €7 Euro before you get towards shipping, and there is no real short supply. So I'd be bundling these into some type of an arbitrage package if you have an arbitrage partner over here in the EU. It's just a, a handy card to kind of pad one of those orders, pick up as many copies as you can, um, and just, just really sit on them. Uh, you should be able to get a handful of them, I'd say for about $9 each shipped, and then I'd be holding onto these for at least 12 months, um, letting the market mature on them, but just be cautious of reprints, especially with these filter lands. They are, they do come every few years, and one of these may be speculated to be coming towards the end of the year in one of those markets. But if, if there is any kind of rumors or, or anything, that's just where you have to reconsider your position on them. Um, but the, the long-term goal of these, I, I am looking to be out in 12 months. Um, I want the, the retail to, to push that 18 to $20 range um, and the buy list to kind of back that at the 12 to 13 but you could also even get out around the, the $15 market price in six months. But I do think this is just a safer hold for 12. One of the great things about Commander is that uh, it, it drives the market. Um, and it, it forces us to look at what casual players are playing. Uh, but at the same time, we have people that are involved in in-store uh, buying and selling in tournament processes as well and charlie you you have uh had a major buy come in today and you have been absolutely busy with it do you have any picks for us today yeah uh i, I cheated a bit with the, the help of wolf but uh i had one prepared and i also got another one that i've fully uh, endorsed uh so one sec let me get it uh for the short short term uh yeah it's it's the judge promos they constantly show us that uh, uh, arbitrage is is yeah an easy game uh, from Europe. Um, I'm looking at spell seekers. Uh, I 
bought for myself this week mm -hmm. uh, because I saw an, a German vendor with four copies uh, around uh, 30 euros each and I constantly keep tabs on the uh, on the church promos and what they how they react on the in the in the market in the the, the USA and Spellseeker was an easy double up because uh, TCG low is around 70 I had multiple customers ask uh, for Spellseeker promos uh, in the USA uh, because a lot of the stores have issues uh, a lot of the stores that use Crystal Commerce have issues uh, on lo uh, listing the the card because it's not properly added I think so there might be more stock uh, in the pipeline but it's you, you can barely buy them anywhere so that that made me jump on it because it's an easy almost almost a double up uh, if you move it with a big package to the USA so yeah there's still roughly 12 copies on card market so it's becoming a bit shallow at the moment um, because I know some of the other guys already looked at it and came to the same conclusion I think but as far as I know there there's not more supply coming in uh, from the judge promos at the moment only new ones correct but yeah okay so uh, this feels very safe it's a very popular card uh, it only has one printing in uh, a battle bot with different art uglier art I think uh, mm -hmm. so yeah this is uh, I think it's a slam dunk um, for the midterm, we have Uriel, the Mist Stalker, non-foils. Uh, the card has been steadily rising since the release of Ixalan, and it's. I think TCG Low is a bit uh, slow on the uh, the current market value because you can buy copies around eleven dollars. But if you check the major vendors like card kingdom they listed it for 18 dollars and they're buying it for 10 dollars cash and uh, in the european market you can buy copies below five euros uh, multiples uh, with the same sellers and i think without a reprint this this thing will go to 25 30 dollars within a year because it's it, i think it's pretty popular because it it, it like I've I've been watching the card for the last couple of, of months, and uh, people keep mentioning it. So it's it's it sees play in uh, in Commander, and that's the main force of all the good cards to look at, I think. So yeah, uh, you can you, if you buy in, in Europe, you can get your money back with profit uh, right now, but you can probably just sit on them and look again uh, in six months without a reprint. And we know that a lot of reprints are coming, but this is such a specific color combination, such a specific uh, legendary creature type. Yeah, it it could be reprinted, but highly unlikely. Uh, and a bonus, and it's it's something I, I forgot. I I was uh, preparing this in the in the early of the week, and I was looking at um, another judge promo. <laughs> I'm not sure what's happening with demonic tutor. Uh, the new uh, creepy girl uh, demonic tutor because um, TCG low is around. Let me check. Because it's about a, it's about one ninety five right now. Yeah. For TCG low. Yeah, and last I checked, card market was like 70, 80 bucks. Yeah. So I'm not sure what's happening there, but it, that's 
like the Mount Tutor, you can they can never print enough of that card, and even the the Drift promo. I I know a lot of people hate it, the, the Creepy Girl, but I also have a lot of customers asking me for the specific uh, Creepy Girl art. Mm -hmm. So, I also ordered a couple last week. I still need to receive them because uh, Europe and Spain is slow at the moment. Mm -hmm. But it's really something to consider if you're like finishing off a card and you're like, okay, uh, I need to need to spend to, like 70, 80 euros. Uh, this is a very, very safe place to put that money. So that's a, a bonus bonus pick. One of the things that I found very interesting about Demonic Tutor, uh, specifically the Judge promo, yeah. and uh, I'm I'm going to wax eloquently for just a moment. Uh, when they were first released, uh, the price was about $225 US. Uh, and that's what you could sell it for in pre-sales. It dropped all the way down to about $40 US about a month after release. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and since then, it has slowly been climbing. The race to the bottom started before even uh, before it, it was even released. Um, and it, it, went, it went down hard. And then just now, it's starting to recover. I think that's the hardest part about this card. Is you could get it for so cheap right after release. Because everybody, every judge was trying to sell it to recoup some of their financial loss... Uh, from having to join Judge Academy. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying that Judge Academy is a bad thing. What I'm saying is is that it has some real expenses to it. And not every judge had $100 to be able to throw out there to join Judge Academy. And, and since uh, 2020 has continued on, not every judge has had the opportunity to recoup that cost either. And what we're seeing is the market has dried up. And there are a lot of cards out there that are worth quite a bit of money. Um, that being said, we are in a position right now where judge promos from six months ago have dried up on the market. They have reached their end user. Uh, this is the first time this has happened so quickly in judge promo history. And I can only see judge promos going up from this point. And so uh, one of the things that I've been thinking about all week is how do we get people to think about judge promos in new ways? Um, the new set of judge promos is releasing uh, next month uh, in the beginning of July. And one of the hard parts about that is we're going to see a crash all the way to the bottom within one month. And then it'll slowly build back up. And now we're at the six-month mark from Demonic Tutor. Yeah. Uh, and it's $200 US and $70 in Europe. I, I don't see this card going down anymore. No, no, definitely not. But um, like what you said about recouping cost, it's um, what I usually see uh, when local judges uh, offer their their new freshly received judge promos to us is that they try to get the best value out of it. And the best value out of it is nine out of ten times it's at this, the very first week of release. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, they all try to dump uh, dump their <laughs> the chalice of the voids, their demonic tutors on us uh, for highest premium, and that's uh, and when we say no because we know what we know what what will happen because 
when we wait three weeks, there will be more offers and the price will be half. And that that sounds uh, hard, but it's it's I like the judges they really need money to uh, to cover their expenses, but it's <laughs> really bad practice because they are ruining their own market because they're constantly undercutting themselves on car market. You can see it. You can like literally three weeks after the first wave hits Europe, you'll just see a massive increase on, on inventory and you'll see people undercutting with euros and euros and euros. And I like the the first demonic tutor I bought, I think it was thirty eight euros shipped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people were selling their play sets at that that uh, that amount. Yep. So it's it's a sort of a self fulfilling prophecy because they they're ruining their own market with how they react. So yeah, it's uh, it's something maybe judges should consider. <laughs> I've I've encouraged judges to think about it I, as as myself being an L two and yeah. I don't say that to uh, I don't I don't say that to brag, but I say it to to help people consider what they're doing with their magic cards. Um, everything that I have uh, gotten over the last year is sitting in this red binder in front of me, and. Uh, my goal with judge promos is to wait for 12 months from the release before I even consider selling them. And that being said, uh, it is a it is a hard temptation to look at these cards and to wonder, can I get what what is being offered uh, on the market? And for the most part, no, you can't. For the most part, it is a it is considered a sunken cost until you recoup on it. But being patient and waiting for a single year will allow that price to reach back into maturity again to bring it back to its original cost. And so um, a lot of the things that are going on in the world of Judge right now is that there are there are a number of promos being released. But I, I don't want to get too far deep into that. Rather, um, I... Is there anything else that you'd like to add, Charlie? Uh, now, the, the judge promos, from a, I think from a judge perspective, is um, either you sell them at the very first day that you get them in, or you hold them. There's nothing in between. Uh, and like holding for a year, I think that's perfectly fine. Because I know a couple of the judges in, in the Netherlands, uh, they just they, they keep them close. And when uh, the, the market has settled and everybody bought their share in Europe and, and traveled it over to the USA, where people pay stupid amounts of money for it, mm-hmm. um, then it settles and then they will they will get a, a, a fair amount for their judge promos. Um, so, but if you can sell the moment that you get them in, I think that's that's the best uh, return on investment because the, those prices are usually very very stupid. I completely agree with you, and I think it's uh, a very telling thing. Um, a couple of cards that we should look at uh, specifically is Capture of, of uh, Jing Zhao. Uh, in Europe right now, you can buy it for uh, about 80 to 90 euros. In the U.S., uh, TCG Low 
is $275. <laughs> uh, yeah. That being said, I'm, I'm going to caution you on this. I researched the eBay prices. Uh, Kid Icarus sold a capture of Jingzhou within the last week for $123 uh, US. Yeah. So uh, eBay is, is more telling on the real value of uh, some of the fancy cardboard. Yeah. But unfortunately, Kid Icarus is, is operating on a. Uh, on a auction based uh, option only every yep. card that went to option uh, went to auction uh, sold for about 130 us but every card that was buy it now at about 250 to 275 to 300 sold as well uh, for the buy it now price and not for a lower price the unfortunate thing is is we should not go deep on these but rather we should consider the fact that these cards are slowly moving and to have one or two in a binder uh and let it mature for a little bit might be worth it um i don't think buying play sets of these is a good thing but i think you know being able to to invest maybe a, a hundred euros uh into this card and be able to sit on it for a year uh will bring a dividend about two hundred dollars yeah it's a very specific group that that really likes to judge promos i believe uh i don't have like real big issues on moving them but like moving 10 or 20 risk studies all at the same time that that's going to be hard but yeah. like having a couple of these a couple of those it's it's fine because like i uh, today uh, a big package of me of mine uh arrived in the usa and i think all the judge promos in it are already sold <laughs> and i wow. added like eight or ten of them so uh, but a wide selection, like uh, an Avacyn, a couple of Rustic Studies, a couple of Food Chains, uh, mm -hmm. Demonic Tutor, uh, yeah. all of them sold. And all to like different people just yeah, pimping their decks. And i got to be real honest with you. I, I did not see uh, Food Chain uh, jumping in price, but it, it went from a, a $40 card to a $100 card in the last month. I, I did made not... so much money on food chain for Twitch promos. It's, <laughs> I think I like I rebought in in food chains like three or four times already, because yeah. every time it's in Europe they they start judges like relisting it for 45, 50 euros, and then I I noticed the USA market is again at hundred hundred ten dollars. So right. yeah. It, it was a good card to get into and and I would have I would encourage people to look at the 2018 judge promos uh, as as an as an option to, to move forward uh, the 2018 judge promos there they were uh, they were widely distributed very quickly into people's hands and unfortunately the 2019 promos uh, were distributed in the same way but then we had judge Academy pop up in 2019. And yep. so people had an oversaturation of judge promos at that point. And I don't know if really we can encourage people to buy the 2019 promos right now because they're still so flooded on the market. And you're looking at a year to two years. Uh, because like the right, reflecting pool stuff and that, that, that sort of... Uh, right, yeah. exactly. And uh, you look at the the 2018 promos and they're just now starting to recoup like the 2020 promos uh the 2020 promos uh the four that have been released already are spiking they're spiking hard if you can get in on them cheap by all means do that but it's not 2019 uh 2019 is still saturated on the market 
Um, so I, I would encourage you to, to cautiously look at 2019, but to consider the 2018 promos as being the mark to watch. They're just as saturated as, as the 2019 promos, but even more so that they're, they're cards that will mature in the next couple of years. So. Oh, oh, definitely. It's it's, uh, and they're all very specific arts, and I, I really like the the style that they're going going with with the new judge promos. Some people really dislike them, but uh, yeah, I have. In in real life, they look real pretty. Yes, I I can guarantee that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I uh, Charlie, you and I have have kind of dominated the conversation here for for quite a while. <laughs> Uh, Everybody else went, uh, went out for a drink. <laughs> I, I think they're enjoying their beverages. Uh, Wolf, uh, bring us back to a sense of normalcy here. What does the data say uh, where we should invest $100 this week? So I, I've been looking around this week. Um, my, my short-term pick that I'm going to pick carries with it a great deal of risk. Um, and I'm going to disclaim this with I am... Try, I am actively trying to sell out of everything that I own that says the word infect on it uh, because the moment that I saw Blightsteel Colossus spoiled, my mind immediately went to this is the best and possibly like only, not only time, but I guess the best opportunity since that mechanic was created to reprint everything that says the word infect. Uh, because if you're going to put Blightsteel Colossus in a set, what is going to stop you? And it's all about doubling counters. Okay, it only takes 10 Infect counters to kill somebody. So let's double that. That puts you at 20. Yes, I, I get I'm being a little bit conspiracy theorist here, but it's it's enough to cause me alarm. Um, that said, I have noticed that Contagion Engine, uh, Scars of Mirrodin, has been selling uh, not only really well for me, but I've noticed that the, the buy list has been steadily increasing for the last about 20 days uh, and that to me makes me really really happy it still hasn't completely recovered from covid um, but my copies on tcg have been selling the vendor listings have been declining uh, and this is just a card that i think if you have it now this is not a card that i am advocating anyone at all going out and buying right now uh, due to my aforementioned fears but if you have them now i would really recommend trying to list and move them now um, just because of my own caution and fears and the fact that um, the, the buy list offer is consistently going up and the vendor levels are still consistently going down. So if I'm wrong, so be it. You're still selling at basically an optimal time. Um, if I am wrong, I, I'm sorry I cut your profit margin short, but you should still be making profit. It's just a card that I would really look to sell right now if you have it. Um, moving on to midterm. Um, due to that uh, commander change this week, we're in like commander effects, you know, the commander, the on-triggered death effects go to the graveyard. There's been a lot of focus on that. Um, this is a card that kind of touches on that, but the data clearly indicates the demand for this card is not predicated off of this. And that is Tesa Karlov. Um, a month ago, there were 230 listings. Uh, a week ago, there were 180 Yesterday, there was 150, and today, I believe there was something like 144 on TCG. Um, the numbers might be slightly off, I'm recalling from memory, but that card is consistently draining from inventory. Um, it is a huge EDH favorite. 
everybody loves doubling effects so much so that Watsi now has to, for some reason, resort to, to tripling effects. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> um, but this is just a card that, even though it was printed in a set that had a higher print run than most, a higher supply level, uh, it is quietly draining from the market. And because supply levels are still so high, it, it nobody's really noticed. And I'm not sure when, on honestly, if they're going to notice. Um, this is a, a card that I am definitely thoroughly looking at in the EU, uh, but even still in the US, it's one that I, I've actually been recommending to, to friends around me. This is this is a card that I think that uh, this is the kind of thing where if you put a blindfold on, if you bought it now, and you check back in in three years, you will have made four or five dollars copy. I, I can almost guarantee it, and just in terms of how EDH players work, barring this getting reprinted in like seven different things. This just seems like such a safe EDH lock. Uh, it's got, I, I think it, I, I'm not sure if it's a vampire, to be honest with you. I think it might be. And if it is, even it's a better. human advisor. Human advisor. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so even still, it, I mean, it doubles the on, the on death effects. Everybody's going to be trying to build that in black and white. And it's just one that, uh, because Alenda, the Dark Rose, has been going up, this is just another card I would keep an eye on as demand increases. Um, as in terms of long-term specs, I'm going to throw a curveball because I told everyone that I was going to do Gargos, but during the length of the cast here, I decided to switch it to Triskelion Foils out of Mystery Booster Box because I like to be difficult to everyone around me. Um, and I chose this card because it's been popping up on a lot of my forecasts. Uh, and, you know, taking that from what you will, when I try and predict the future, it it's just a complete i mean i'm i'm using math to try and predict the future but the future is still the future you can't do it to a great degree of strength but from what i have seen and what i am acting on this card is incredibly undervalued and i would say possibly the entire foil series out of mystery boosters are being incredibly undervalued uh and what to to further build on that kind of with data as a backing if you look at the current buy list offers for foil Galleons, um, the mystery booster box is currently sitting at 4% of the next closest uh, Triskelion foil copy. So I believe one copy is listed, the cheapest one is at 245 and the next one is at $0.10. Cents. $0.10 cents is the mystery boosters. Uh, and if you look on TCG, uh, the most expensive copy of Triskelion is selling at 8 The next most expensive is selling at... I think it's at like 475 and that just doesn't jive with the fact that the mystery booster foil is selling at below dollar there's got to be some form of meeting in the middle now i don't know exactly when that's going to happen i can't claim to um but this card at at 90 cents is definitely too low especially if anybody anybody anywhere is remotely seeing sales on uh on this card because it it just doesn't make sense for this level of disparity to exist because any EDH player is going to buy this copy even if you're trying to like if you're just somebody who's trying to pimp out their deck with foils you should still go for the cheapest copy so there's no reason why the original foil should be eight dollars whereas this this card is below a dollar um, I think there has to be some leveling of price. And I think that will inevitably raise the mystery booster. I still think, I think it will probably decrease uh, the cost of other foils by upwards of 70%. But even still, 
that leads to a lot of money being made if you can source these in bulk and not hard right now. Uh, so that is definitely one that I've moved in on uh, a great deal of quantity. That is yeah. a very interesting and unique card to to even think about. Triskelion uh, being a, a pick, that is uh, something that I, I wouldn't really think of. But, you know, I, the data doesn't lie. Um, and I think that's one of the things that we have to remember is you know when you have enough data and information you can predict what what potentially could happen and to go in at 10 cents and to see that card increase would be a, a great thing uh one of the things that we like to do is we like to surprise people with people that come back in uh coda is here right now from saving the world coda how are you doing tonight your mic is on mute he's playing hard to get he's winning he is Hi. <laughs> Welcome, Coda. I, I'm now. I'm feeling fine. Before, I was slightly worried about uh, the future of my life. But... <laughs> Stop googling your symptoms. Doesn't help. <laughs> Welcome, then, uh, Coda. Do you have any picks for us tonight? So I have uh, uh, one pick for my hundred dollar um, question. And that's not going to be a card. It's something that uh, maybe we briefly mentioned uh, uh, on Discord, uh, on the Discord server, and maybe also on Cast uh, a few casts ago. I don't, I'm not sure right now. I would spend a hundred dollars, and in fact, I did spend more than a hundred dollars on uh, Rivers of Ixlan box, seated box. I feel like this is since the introduction of Pioneer. Uh, see that the recent see that the uh, boxes have all of them have been steady growers there haven't been explosions except maybe a couple of a couple like um eldritch moon and uh Karadesh at revolt but i feel like uh, this sealed box uh, if you're a sealed collector is the next uh, big uh, money winner so what the, the reason I'm saying this is uh, um, there are a lot of uh, very good uh, um, cards in the set that are growing, and they, are, they especially have grown uh, after the commander rule change. I'm referring especially to Elenda the Dusk Rose. Uh, that alone has increased the expected value for uh, uh, for the entire box uh, of about uh, twenty dollars alone. And uh, there is always uh, um, a correlation between uh, the expected value of the box, uh, along with the actual price point of the of the sealed box. I have to say, it's uh, Ixlan and Rivers of Ixlan uh, are not my favorite sets ever. The I, I didn't like the, the limited environment, and they did not have a very interesting land cycle. But uh, there are some interesting cards like uh, the Immortal Sun, Elenda, uh, Zakama, uh, Twilight Prophet. The, the, these are all very long-term and very hard to reprint cards that are just very... Have, I feel like they have a very long playability standpoint. Uh, and these are all only mythic. And then if we go to the rares, we have uh, Itali, Galta, Jedi Ranger, and uh, foils are also interesting. Uh, if we go down to uh, uncommons, there is 
PTLS Plunderer that has started from less a few cents uh, and now it's like four dollars. And if you go if you go foils, uh, it's like twenty dollars now. So all these contribute to the growth of the box. Uh, and if the if the box is, is growing already, it means it will grow over time. So my my hundred hundred dollar question has been helped uh, with the uh, a tool that uh, can monitor the expected value of a set uh, uh, over time. Uh, the tool is a uh, dongler, and we will have a section with the uh, MTG Papa later about this. I, I literally uh, bought uh, uh, a couple of boxes with the uh, uh, miniature market uh, credit, <laughs> uh, just because I believe in in this uh, spec. I'm not sure what the the out price might be, so I won't I won't say a number. But uh, this is where I would spend my money this week. I fully approve that. <laughs> I do as well. I've I've been on the hunt for these boxes, but it's. Uh... The internet is dry. I blame Papa. Yeah, uh, I'll jump in to talk about the Rick's boxes for a second. Um, if you were in the Masters of Coin, you would have known about this a few days ago, but uh, I can mention how popular this was amongst uh, casuals with the dinosaur theme and the old favorite uh, merfolk and vampire type themes. So these kind of uh, casual focus sets are... Um, probably one of the best long-term sealed boxes you can hold. Ones that are heavily focused on just being competitive and seeing a lot of play in standard and then dropping off the radar as soon as they're gone tend to not do as well. So I really like this pick. Uh, the other thing about sealed boxes is once they, once they reach a certain price, they rarely drift back down. We're seeing eBay minimums at 110 plus right now. Um, I'm selling as high as 120, 130s. So you can find these under a hundred bucks it's uh it's almost a no-brainer if you just want to stash that money away for a, a year or two um i mean these could even be 140 150 within 12 months from now so um i think it's a really great pick i myself found a, a secret cash on abu games and ordered six no five cases myself oh so i i'm sorry that i took away so much from you guys but i'm sure there's Plenty of sub $100 boxes out there left in LGSs and around the world somewhere. Um, some of the other uncommons that are pretty good in this set that you failed to mention are Curious Obsession and Legion's Lieutenant, both very uh, popular in the casual decks. Um, yeah, this, this thing is just full of mediocre but really fun cards. Casuals, it's not the best draft set, it's not the best powerful uh, competitive set, but. I have a I have a twenty something year old sister who um, recently told me she started playing Magic with her friends and she she was so excited because she had a Zakama. She was like, "Yeah, I got this Zakama deck. It's so great and all these dinosaurs." And I never picked her as a Magic player in my entire life, but uh, I was I was kind of uh, shocked that that was that was what drew her in. And and Rivals of Ixalan um, definitely has a strong pull at the casual. So. I heavily support his uh, pick this week. I have to admit, I did not expect Rivals of Ixalan to uh, be that strong of a pick. I, I'm, I'm just astounded by it all the way across the board. And uh, cards like Zakama, 
I've bought in the past and then sold already, and I'm just like, wow, this is this is some phenomenal uh, cards to look at. So I, I I appreciate your picks. I appreciate all that you guys have have been doing over the past week. Uh, the rivals makes almost like a a real dumpster fire for a lot of the distributors because nobody wanted the the boxes at a certain point, and in Europe you could buy a ton of boxes for 40, 50 euros at a certain time because people were just dumping them. And looking at it now, it's like, okay, like a, a year ago or a year and a half ago, we should have bought like 200 boxes of this set because it's casual gold. And now we're looking at boxes of 100 euros shipped so it's it's really stupid how things can change within like a year because we, we literally had a, an offer on the table for 200 boxes at 45 euros each <laughs> from a distributor because they couldn't move the product nobody wanted it i think this is going to be one of those those boxes that people talk about as not being that great to play but it's going to be so rare because of of the extreme value of it for casual players. Uh, don't don't forget, it was also a small set, and it was, I think it's it's a small set, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it was like the power level was really mediocre for competitive play, so nobody was touching them, not touching the boxes. And it was, I think, just before another big release that was widely popular. So I think. Like overall in the world, not a lot of boxes were sold, so that that really helps with the the value of the cards and the boxes themselves. Now, also this is uh, the thing that you mentioned uh, earlier uh, that the distributors could not move because the set was just so, perceived so badly. The same thing yeah. happened uh, for modern uh, iconic master and uh, yeah. master twenty five. Look at them now. Yeah, but like <laughs> there, there is, it's never wrong to invest on sealed. The, the the only question is how long can you let the money sit there yeah yeah it's a lot of money for a lot of people to just have yeah, on the exactly. shelf for years on end absolutely uh, but in five years in five years time there is not a single box uh, magic magic uh, sealed box that has not increased in value okay. uh, and with the introduction of collector boosters this is also going to be very very interesting to see how they evolve. I was uh, talking with the Bazaro MTG and um, yeah. we were discussing about in the future how each single collector booster would be a part of a set and there will be people that will try to complete the set because it is a set. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot going on all the way around the world uh, in Magic. And one of the things that's happening is that we're seeing a lot of market movement over the past week. And we consider the uh, the actions of this past week uh, in, in our world and how they affect Magic. And we recognize that there are a number of things happening uh, that should have happened a long time ago. But just as... Uh, just as some things change, so does magic. And as magic shifts to be more politically correct, uh, we desire to also recognize that there are movements in the market that are driven uh, by player movement as well. Just as the uh, the new commander rule has challenged our perspective 
on how magic should be played, uh, being able to move things and have a on-death trigger for our commanders has moved a lot of cards in magic this past week. Uh, Wolf, what are you seeing across the board in the market that's moving right now? So, <laughs> Child of Alara clearly just shot off the roof, so did Alenda. But really, it's those three cards. It's it's Kakusho, Child of Alara, everybody just completely raced to. Uh, and then on the opposite note, and I'm not sure how much, I really don't think it has much to do with the, the announcement, but I do know that Cultivate and Kadama's Reach have also seen uh, a lot of downward pressure this week because of the announcement of M21, uh, just thinking about ADH-related specs, uh, just something that's been very, very apparent through the data. That's that's pretty interesting, Wolf. Uh, Bacon, from your perspective, uh, you know, as a player uh, and somebody who's been on the Pro Tour, what what have you seen in the market? What have you seen people being playing this week? What what movements from the competitive scene? From the competitive scene, I don't actually think there's been any movements at the moment. Although, what's really strange is we're literally about to walk into the Pro Tour. Uh, or players to, or whatever it's called. Nobody and knows. Don't don't I, spoil I, secrets. I, <laughs> it's the I, place I where you make money as a player. <laughs> Hopefully. I was actually shocked. I, I found out this afternoon from a Twitter post that it's happening this weekend. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't even know it was on. There, there was, there's a lineup as well, and that people are prepared for it. And that was the very first bit of advertising I'd seen. I. It's it's a digital pro tour, right? It's not. That nobody's flying anywhere. It's just sitting at home doing it on your computer. I think. Hey, just doing it from your computer. And to be honest, over the last three months during COVID, not a single piece of competitive play, which has been done either on MTGO or MTGA or or whatever's been done in real life, which is basically nothing. There's just been no impact competitively on card values. No, uh, oh, I'm. Uh, <laughs> while I'm talking, I'm. Uh, de-sleeving uh, uh, competitive collection that I bought <laughs> this week, and yeah, nobody is is doing anything competitively. I think with Paper Magic. I so. suppose what you could say then is the only effect that the competitive scene is having right now is people are selling out. Yeah, yeah, it, it, uh, they're selling out. They're selling their collection and they're keeping their commander stuff with them. So they can play casual Saturday evenings with friends, but yeah, no tournaments. Like I and a, a guy that I work with, uh, he made his first pro tour uh, like months ago, and it was delayed, delayed, delayed. And he he was um, planning to go to I think Copenhagen was the pro tour I think in paper, and he was like ah, I really I really looked looking forward to playing the paper pro tour you know like the, the whole. Meeting the pros and and yeah, playing on the big stage. And now he's sitting at home this weekend, playing the pro tour behind his uh, very own laptop. It's it's really demoralizing for a lot of people. But I also think that that's driving the market as well. We're seeing a decline in paper right now, but I think we have an option for things to prepare for in the future. Uh, we're seeing depreciated prices in a lot of really cool and interesting cards. But as the rules have changed and as things are, are shifting, uh, knowing that cards like like the companion cards have really shifted uh, this past week has created a new opportunity for, for pro players to 
to play some really hard cards. So I I think in the short term, we're not going to see a lot of cards spike. I, I think that's what it is, but I'm, I'm just, I'm waxing eloquently again. Oh, definitely not uh, competitive tables. No, no, I think everybody is, uh, everything is, is going down, down, down. Uh, like, look at, uh, look at all the companions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, the pricing is miserable. I'm literally looking at uh, a stack of 40 Yurions on my desk. I'm like, yeah, I, I can't really be bothered to put them online, I guess. I'll just wait. We we say that a lot, but really, it's not worth it to put things like that online. Oh. You know, what what are we going to make off of it? Almost nothing. And uh, it really shifted the entire market on companions uh, just by having this rule change. And it's been really difficult to be able to determine what's going to happen in the fall as we look to go back in store. But what we found out over the past week and two weeks is that there won't be any real uh, competitive magic scenes being done on the uh, national level until January. And, and that is really difficult to watch. I think uh, Star City Games also announced their own digital series, right? Yes, they did. I can't wait. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, that's also a big big eye-opener I think for uh, all the smaller uh, tournament organizers in the world because Starship Games is the, the biggest third, third party uh, organizer in the world and uh, if they're not up to it to organize events in the near future then probably nobody is uh, touching that so yeah it's, it sets a sort of precedent and not really healthy for the the paper paper magic i think future in the near future yeah and so being able to focus in on on more commander staples but even more so than that just looking at cards that people want to play yeah like and definitely uh i really expect that a lot of the staples and a lot of the, the good cards that are really depressed right now like the 27 bucks star snapcasters um those cards are i think it's perfectly fine to buy them uh, because they're so low at the moment and just be prepared when people will start with paper magic again and that could be six months maybe a year even but i think it's 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 perfectly fine to buy people uh, outing their uh, competitive collection at the moment because it's so cheap everything is but only if you have the uh the, the patience and the capital to do that yeah i think it's going to be interesting to see what happens come uh 2021 as we gather back together uh as we as we think about market activity does anybody have anything else to add about the market movement right now did someone mention the um, the second wave of Commander Twenty? Mm, no, I, I really doubt. By the way, by the way, I really doubt if it's the second wave or just stuff that was stuck in the pipeline. To be honest, very true. I would like to to inject one simple thought, and that is, if you're holding Force of Wills, reconsider how much money you have in them. I know I have a couple play sets and. Um, 
They were reprinted a couple of years ago, and there's some whispers on the internet about potentially getting another reprint. And it's not the kind of card that holds onto its value if a lot hits the market because they're not high demand. Uh, I guess I guess EDH players like to play them sometimes when they get their hands on them, but I always find them just annoying in EDH, and I don't put them in my decks because I don't want to be that guy that. Haha, force of will. You know, I don't, I'm not a big counterspell player, so maybe that's why I'm opposed to them. But if you do have a lot like me, uh, I would suggest thinking about your position and maybe adjusting it down. The, especially the um, EMA or the IMA copies are very high right now. 120, I think, is the minimum on TCG, and uh, that just seems like they'll be cut in half if they are reprinted. But again, just pure speculation, rumor, so. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with those? That's really my only, only uh, considerable addition to this week's picks. So, well, on to the next. What we have to do, what we have to do, is is preface that by saying this rumor uh, was from Rudy and has been uh, has been exasperated by Reddit right now. And I say exasperated because it is a rumor that's unknown. Rudy seems to be a little bit more consistent right now, but at the same time, we don't know. And uh, oh, yeah, totally agree. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make any, any. I wouldn't tell someone they definitely need to do this or that with it. I would just examine your position when it comes to expensive items that could be reprinted. And that goes for anything. Uh, other cards I'm wary of are like Cabal Coffers. That's a that's a big one that I would not be holding right now. Um, and some other cards that are up in that range that are just so easy to reprint if they really wanted to. To be honest, we, we saw like a, a, a major reprint like last week with Grim Tutor. So they are not scared to reprint high dollar bills in whatever product they have lined up. So Definitely not. It's, uh, it's uh, in the name of the game, I guess. <laughs> Well, uh, it used to be consistent. It used to be they wouldn't touch cards over you know thirty, forty, fifty bucks without serious consideration. Now it seems that they just they'll stuff whatever they can into a random ma- uh, master's product to try to juice the value up to yeah, four hundred dollars EV or whatever. Yeah. You also have one hundred dollar boosters incoming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be fun. And uh, on on that point, uh, I believe that maybe the only. Uh, card, the only printing that won't be affected too much uh, will be the one with the old frame. Uh, we will, like the first wheel, the original first wheel, there are more copies like lying around, so it's a bit cheaper right now, but it's the original version. Like there is value embedded in the, in the frame itself. And same, for example, for Mana Drain. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's an unknown. It's It's a risky area to be in. Yeah, there's a lot definitely. of factors involved, and I think that's one of the the hardest parts about being a part of uh, MTG Magic and uh, number one finance. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen next, and we don't know what's about to happen. In fact, we're in the midst of a spoiler season, and uh, we don't know what to expect out of this. Uh, out of the number of reprints that are happening in this set, uh, cards like Baneslayer Angel. Uh, you know, we we look at it and we just go, why is this card being reprinted in a core set? And we just question, all right, what's going to happen next? 
uh, to be able to have cards like, um, what's that tutor that just came out? Um, Grim Tutor. Grim Tutor has just uh, hit the scene, and now it's now it's going to be there. Uh, when we think about magic sets like M twenty one or uh, Jumpstart, which is starting spoilers next week, what? What are we thinking? Uh, what do you think is going to be happening with these sets? Uh, we're in the midst of a of a huge uh, set after set printings, and we don't know what we're even tracking anymore. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, really the M21 and Jumpstart previews that we've seen? But then what do we do with identifying specs for arbitrage from these sets? Can I just say, guys, do you remember Ikoria? It was really fun. Did you like the set? <laughs> I mean, I'm, st I'm still waiting on my court, um, on my C20 pre-orders. <laughs> now, but with, like, on your, on your question, uh, Father, like, um, when I used to think about core sets, I used to think about Birds of Paradise reprints, like 5 euro, 6 euro, 7 euro cards getting reprinted. And last week was okay. So we have Grim Tutor, we have Azusa. Azusa is, by the way, it's like it plummeted in value. It, it's a four euro card now. Um, yeah, you have Ugin. All the all the juicy juicy stuff you have you have in the in the corset now. Like Massacre Worm was a an eighteen dollar twenty dollar. Who's chopping wood? Who's paying football? <laughs> yeah. I think Charlie is uh, flinging uh, cards across the room. No, 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 I'm not doing anything with cards. I'm just, I'm waving my hands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but it, it's, it's, it's really, it, it's really insane if you see what they are putting in a corset at the moment. Like, okay, so they're putting these $100, $200 bills in the corset. What are we expecting to that they put in double masters like they're the cream of the cream best set ever like i have no idea uh, i was talking with a vendor that i work with and he's like yeah I, i'm probably just gonna order two 300 boxes of this set because it should be insane right and i was like yeah i i don't know <laughs> i really don't know probably but yeah who knows what 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 they do? Because we we saw in the future, in, in, in like in the past, they they put out sets uh, like iconic was an, a prime example of, of a set that was people were really disappointed about at at the first with the cards that was, were, were put in. Like if if double masters is similar, well, and the boxes are twice the price of iconic because iconic was. You could buy them at 100 euros, 110 euros from the distributor. And Double Masters is around 200. It, they really, really need to deliver. Otherwise, it's it's going to be horrible for a lot of stores. <laughs> you know, when I think about, I think about boxes and my first box that, well, my first set that I got interested in was M14. And I, I think about that core set and there was a lot of really interesting cards in it. But even now today, we're seeing things that come out that that are just unknown. And we don't know how this 
how these boxes are going to end up and we don't know how many printings of each card and how many different arts there are going to be right now uh there are are seven different arts for uh for the teferi card i think it's nine right you know it it's more than one Uh, (laughs) it's insane (laughs) it's it's, it's, i think it's nine because you have like the four regular with different arts the four showcases with four different arts and then you have the extended super art version it's and then you've got foils yeah so it's 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 ridiculous And I'm, I'm just sitting here scratching my head going, all right, what's going to happen next and what should we buy? And, and that's really uh, the question. Do we buy boxes of M21? Do we buy boxes of Jumpstart? And what do we do with them? Like, I think literally all the vendors in the world have this problem because you have um, three major sets being released in... In a, in a summer and the summer is usually pretty slow uh, for stores uh, not even considering the whole COVID situation um, but all the stores are like okay we should buy 100 boxes of this and then next month we have to buy 100 boxes of this and that's a lot of capital to sink in a product uh, with no visitors in your store um, maybe sales uh, being slower than usual like I'm, I'm certain as a lot of stores will just like skip certain releases, or just buy like okay, yeah, let's buy four four cases of this, and just don't go deep on double masters. It's it's not really the the environment at the moment to release so much product at once. So yeah. like we are considering it. Like are 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 we buying a case? Like look at the stores. It's 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 all gambling at the moment because uh, Jumpstart and Core Twenty One the the pre-orders they're closed. I even have a local store to me that is not buying Jumpstart because they're buying Core Twenty One. Yep, exactly that. And and I gotta admit, uh, for the first time in a long time, we haven't seen any spoilers yet from Jumpstart. We don't know what's going to be in it, and yet we're a month we're a week away from spoilers. Uh, there's been no leaks. There's been no information that's come out, and I'm I'm just surprised by that. Uh, and it hasn't been hyped at all, and and so it's making me kind of question, you know, scratch my head. Was I right to buy boxes of this at at seventy five dollars a piece? Well, I'm I'm most certainly hope that I have sold all my Bogart Harbingers and all the other Goblin specs and Vampire specs that we. Uh, seem to have bought the last couple of weeks because, like, the vampire that went all crazy uh, this week uh, due to the, uh, Commander Change. I can't get the name. The black and white vampire from Rivals of Ixalan. We, we just discussed it. Yeah. Like, if if they're making black and white teams command or, or jumpstart decks, they're they're probably going to put stuff like that also in, in those decks. Because they 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 shown us that they're not scared of reprinting recent mythics in new new uh, supplemental products. So if you have like a pile of forty of those vampires on your desk at the moment, please just sell them, sell them, sell them, sell them. Because it, it, 
that's such an easy card to reprint in such in, in team decks. Uh, the, the same with all the the cats and dogs stuff that we see uh, pop up. I I also bought Pride Sovereigns, and I was like, yeah, they're probably printing that in uh, a Jumpstart Cats deck, most likely. So it's it's a it's it's a dangerous time to to go f fist deep into certain cards with all the grace products that they're releasing. I tend to agree with you there as well. I, I think it's really hard to to understand what's going to be happening in the next month in Magic, especially as we're just getting into a, a spoiler season of M21, of a, of a core set. Yeah. And I'm just baffled by this. Breaking all records <laughs> with the reprints. Like, and, with, with Jumpstart, they, they literally told us it's uh, 121 different decks different different configurations of decks so some of the decks are more rare and some of the decks like goblins and vampires are uh, are more common but also we have different configurations of different uh, team decks so you can have they probably have like four different vampire decks and four different goblin decks in in jumpstart uh, all they would have to do really is make uh, 11 or actually 12 different themes and then say pairing two themes together gives you a unique combination yeah. so 11 times 11 is 121 so yeah. I could see that being the case how they came up with that number um, but uh, that's just simple bag of the napkin math that I could be wrong with there, there is one thing that I'm avoiding buying because of Jumpstar and I'm actually trying to not buy any of the tribal lands at the moment oh like anti-hovel stuff yeah, if there was ever going to be a set for them to come back in, this just, this would just make sense. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and like stuff like that. But also, uh, I, we discussed uh, Brimos uh, last week. Mm -hmm. Like Brimos is like a, a a perfect chase mythic to put in Jumpstart for a kitty deck. Like it's 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 a very popular card in EDH. It, it that's a card that will sell packs, and. Like I, I bought them last week. I was like, "Yeah, should have should have thought about Jumpstart." And I'm really really scared because they told us where they have like 500 reprints in Jumpstart. That's a lot, especially considering their specific themed reprints. I tend to agree with you there. Uh, we don't know what's going to be happening here. What we do know is that the play style of this is you're supposed to pick two packs and shuffle them together. So we don't know if there's going to be lands in there. We don't know the number of lands or or really what the cards are going to be in there. Uh, we don't know if there's going to be fixing or not. We don't know if we have to add our own lands. All of this is, is just so many unknowns. But at the same time, it's one of those things that just kind of intrigues me. Like... Jumpstart is supposed to be a jumpstart to your collection and a jumpstart to playing. And so what do people normally play? They play Commander, they play Standard, and they jumpstart into that. And I'm just like, all right, what's, tribal decks. <laughs> what tribal deck are we going to find? Yeah. What tribal decks are there in in Standard right now? we we got a mono-red deck, we've got a, a blue-green deck, and we've got... Uh, more blue and green decks and, and red black deck and it's like all right what's going to happen 
And I find it really interesting and intriguing that we have an unknown a week away from spoilers. Sorry, an interesting point on um, Jumpstart is that the set is supposed to be opened and played as is. Uh, and especially new players new uh, and casual uh, players will probably not leave their cards. So I think that uh, finding real near mint cards for this set will be slightly harder than the usual. So it's just something to consider. Uh, I also question how how much how many stores are opening Jumpstart to add inventory. It it really depends on how good or how bad the set is, probably. But if you have if you order 200 cases of the product and it's uh, your casual crowd isn't buying it, and yeah, then you probably have to open it. So it... and I I I agree with that question. I think what we have to ask is when is the right time to crack a box and when is the correct time to hold a box? And I think I think Papa is is the one to speak on this the most because he's the one that's buying the most sealed product of all of us, I would imagine. Papa, oh, yeah, what, what do you have to add? I, I have a slightly I would say I'm not I'm not the hundred percent person to go to for this question, but um, I have looked at the numbers quite a lot for many, many years when it comes to cracking boxes versus buying sealed and holding. Um, I've never really gone down the road of trying to catch the market at the beginning, crack as many as I can and sell them as quickly as I can. I know that's a, that's a way to make money uh, pretty, pretty consistently, but uh, the value of my time is just too high. So I've always come out to the... So that formula uh, arrived at a, it's better for me to put it away sealed. I think Charlie might have some experience with, with cracking and selling right away. Um, so I'll let you talk in a minute about that. But from a hold and sealed perspective, what you really have to consider is, I guess, the, the long-term, how long you can put your money away. It's not something for someone who's trying to turn a profit within three to six months, um, get a 20, 30, 40% increase and move on to something else. It's really for the people that like to put a few thousand dollars into magic every year and throw it in their closets and just consider that kind of their investment for long term. Um, it really, it, it's interesting if, if I want to touch on uh, on Coda's mention of Don Glare um, a few minutes ago. Uh, if you go to mtg.donglare.com, you'll see a couple different tools. One of them is a set EV calculator. And an interesting thing about that is um, you'll notice when sets come out, their EV is often above their box price. So a brand new set is usually anywhere between $95 to $120 uh, EV, meaning if you crack it right away and sold every single card in it, you'd make $120 off the 90 or $100 it costs you to get the box. Um, it's a lot of work, and there is some um, some risk you take in that, but doing it over a large enough sample size will guarantee that you're, you're consistently making money if you don't consider your time worth anything again. <laughs> um, and that's what it comes down to. It's, it's Some people really enjoy just the feeling of cracking open a pack and seeing what they get and that excitement, that rush. So there's something in it for them. Um, and the fact that they can consistently turn over a profit doing it um, is an added incentive to keep them from feeling like they're wasting their time. Um, 
because it is an enjoyable thing to a lot of people to just just see what's inside a pack and to, to stumble across an amazingly good you know foil or rare or pack with two twenty dollar cards in it and, you know it, it gives you that rush of excitement that so many um, magic players are are very familiar with so I understand the the concept of cracking and selling right away but you really have to be on the ball if you buy product in the hopes of cracking and selling it and you're just a few weeks late, it can turn out to be a loss because the market moves so rapidly and people undercut each other so fast that uh, you really need to be targeting being out of those cards and having them sold within a week or two. Uh, you need to be able to list them the first day that they go live. If not within you know 24 to 48 hours, have your listings up and trying to sell them. Um, and to me, that's just, I don't have that kind of time to put into it. Um, so what I do is I look for boxes that have uh, a lot of appeal to the casual player, a lot of potential like major wins. Um, one thing that uh, really adds to the long-term value of a box is the chances that it holds a very valuable card. Um, so even if the, the cards themselves, most of it you know is generally crap, if there's an expedition possible or a or an invention in there, or maybe there's a, a foil Jace the Mind Sculptor worth 500 bucks. You know, even if the rest of the cards in that set that you could get are worth nothing, people will still pay a high premium for that 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 chance at the the strike it rich factor. You know, so I really like sealed product that has huge variance um, because that means that long term it'll be worth a lot more uh, to those that that uh, are excited about. Um, trying to gamble their money into something bigger. Um, this is why you see revised starter decks going for five, six, seven hundred dollars when at most, you know, you could hope to hit one dual land and make 200 bucks off it. Um, but, you know, there is that, that uh, gambler's premium, I guess a lot of people call it. Um, that Cardboard people pay crack. For. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of some things to look out for when you're looking for sealed. Another thing is, uh, Standard sets, um, stuff that's in print and in standard, uh, generally you don't need to move on near until it's near the end of its life. Um, otherwise, that money is just going to sit there. Like I could have bought uh, 30 boxes of Rivals of Ixalan three years ago, but they haven't appreciated at all in the last three years, basically. Uh, now that they're starting to, and I was lucky enough to find a seller that still had them under $100, I'm confident that over the next two or three years, they'll move up quite significantly uh, from the starting uh, from where they were three years ago, which is basically the same as now. Um, so that's, that's something to think about. Um, you might get trapped. Dominaria did that where if you didn't buy yours early enough, they, they surprised everyone by not um, selling anymore, just announcing they're no longer in print and had them and the people that didn't were scrambling to find dominaria boxes um so that can happen once is known to surprise people with a oh this is no longer available um uh, but it's rare most of the time you know you can kind of predict when it's going to be out um things like uh commander product um challenger decks from the vaults things that are a known quantity are a little bit different uh you can go to the don glare site again and you can see that a product that has a known exact amount of cards in it has a pretty firm EV. You can you can uh, rely on that being the the absolute floor you could 
sell the product for, but it's not going to be much higher than that either. So those are more like a solid investments for very long-term blue chip type movement because you know exactly what's inside, you know what it's worth, and all it takes is waiting for it to appreciate to appreciate and dodge enough reprints. Um, I'm not a big fan of that kind of sealed just because it doesn't have as big of an upside. No one's going to pay you, you know, uh, 100% over the EV of that product in the hopes that they're going to get a card that nobody else has in there because they know exactly what's in there. So personally, I have some, you know, I buy a, a commander set or two every year and just throw that in the closet. But the ones that I that I like the most are the ones that, you know, might contain a foil uh, Renin 6, you know, uh, might contain a uh masterpiece soul ring or something those those boxes are the ones that people will pay much higher than uh the ev on it for um that's kind of my rundown do you guys have any questions about sealed in particular i have a comment on it because i think you covered most of it and like you have the the, the big box openers uh or like the regular local store um they open new sets also because of cross sales and cross sales is probably the 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 most incentive uh to open up new product to keep your other cards uh liquid as well like you have stuff from dominaria stuff from um uh, uh drain uh moving again with uh when you list the the, the new pre-orders and especially when you're when you're available when you can pre-order it's it's so much better to open up boxes because pre-order prices are 99% of the time are overpriced so you get the best best money for your cards so yeah that, that that's something i wanted to add i think the rest of of it you covered it yeah yeah i definitely agree with that you if you get good prices on pre-orders um the the best movement you can do is to immediately open that and sell it. Um, yeah. I mean, I got 20, 20 um, decks, 20 commander, 20 decks um, for something like 500 bucks. So they're uh, like 30 something, 40, I guess, um, a piece. Um, anyways, by the time I got them, they were selling for 60, 70, $80 a piece, but I didn't have the time to crack them all open and sell them individually or, even the ability to just sell them off. So my intention was to throw them in the closet. And I know they've lost a, a large amount of their money uh, or their value just sitting in my closet. And I probably could have picked them up later, but I got a good pre-order price on them and decided these are going to be long-term anyways. So it, it kind of sucks to see those those values dissipate in the beginning. You got to fight your urge to, to, you know, I guess feel bad about, oh, I, I lost out because I didn't sell my timeless wisdom decks for 80 bucks a pop or whatever like yeah you, some of the stuff you just have to realize you're going to be losing money in the short term at least on paper um yeah. but it's it's again it's a it's all your style of investing and financing uh it's definitely not the same style that a lot of people take which is buy cards don't get too attached to them flip them quickly make some money take that money buy some more cards um this is more of a buy stuff that you like and it i guess strategy but it's 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 fun and i enjoy my 
you know, sitting around and looking at my just stacks and stacks and stacks of sealed product everywhere and reviewing what I have and what the current values are. And, you know, it's a, it's a good pastime for me. Magic is, it's more than just the financial. It's the, uh, the, the enjoyment that I get out of it. That's very, very nice. Uh, and it's important to remember all, all the time. Uh, I, for example, I collect sealed, but only of the sets I personally enjoy, and, and I'm less attached to the uh, financial value. But just having like the, the, the chances, the possibility of having a box, and if I want, call my friends and just draft it. It's just a good feeling. Uh, one thing I, I would I would just like to comment on. Uh, the excellent presentation by uh, Papa was uh, another way to predict uh, uh, price movement uh, is when we have a return to something. Uh, so, for example, we see we've seen uh, return to Ravnica, we've been to Innistrad again, we've been to Theros again, and we're going now. We're going to be in uh, Zendikar again soon, and rumors will be in uh, Neophorexia next year. What happens when one popular set comes back uh, is that uh, the old boxes increase in value. And this exactly happened for Theros. Uh, as soon as it was announced that, uh, well, not as soon as it was announced, when the Theros set released, uh, there was a price hike on the old, on the original Theros boxes. Uh, just because it's people are, are curious, and if they see a box, they just might crack it if the price is low of an old set. And I believe this, the same is going to happen for Zendikar. Uh, right now, both, uh, both of the Gatewatch and Battle for Zendikar are still relatively low priced. Um, Battle for Zendikar is a bit more expensive because there are better expeditions. It's true that they're not, they're not very good cards, uh, extremely good cards, uh, except uh, the expeditions. However, it, it, it really took Pioneer to, uh, to, to make the set interesting. However, this is uh, detached from the the mindset of people being excited for returning to a plane, and so we might see some movement of those old boxes relatively soon. And who knows what will happen in New Phyrexia? Yeah, I I agree that there's definitely a nostalgia factor when a new set comes out that ref the old tends a little bit more. They would it, it grows a little bit faster. But the other thing I like about sealed product is that you're never, almost never really taking a risk at a price going down. Everything constantly over time moves up, which isn't the same with singles. Singles get reprinted, singles get, you know, uh, they, they're no longer viable in a format. Uh, a whole bunch of things can happen to individual cards that really doesn't happen to boxes. Yes, some boxes grow faster than others, but generally they all go up in price over time. Um, and you really can't go wrong if you spread your your holdings over a number of boxes. If you put all your money into one single set and bought 100 boxes of it, yeah, you might be disappointed. But if you buy a case of every single set that comes out, I know that may not be viable for a lot of people, but that's 500 bucks every few months. Um, you'll, you'll, over time, you'll see that you know certain ones you didn't expect actually went up a lot faster. Other ones that you thought would go up faster didn't, but they still crept up slowly over time. I, I see sealed as a good way to kind of, uh, I really hate using, but like hedge funds and, um, you know, buying a, buying a, a block of cards that 
if one if one goes up, then the entire box goes up, and uh, it doesn't matter what the individual cards really do. Time it just kind of floats up and up and up. I think that that is a a huge thing to think about uh, as far as as boxes go. Uh, to be able to think about it not being a a set to crack, but a set to hold as a long-term investment. Um, at the same time, uh, we have to balance the the cracking ability of boxes in the first point. Um, and, and I believe Charlie spoke to that. Is that correct, Charlie? Uh, sorry, can you, what, what do you mean? Uh, so, so what are some tips on, on what to do if what you want to do is, is buy a few boxes of a new set and sell it? Now, what, what are some things to avoid and some things that you got to watch out for if you're into cracking and sizing? Um, like if you're um, like the, the sort that I work with, you, you have to go big or don't do it at all because sorting and alphabetizing and listing the sets, uh, it's not worth it if you open up four boxes or six boxes. It's You'll never get your returns back. So if, if box opening is your thing, open at least two cases of product, at least three cases of product. So you have a widespread of different cards. You have enough cards to make like play sets of uh, multiple play sets of the commons, uh, multiple play sets of the uncommons, uh, maybe even play sets of, of uh, the, the rares. So you can list quantity. And if you don't do that, then just don't, don't get into that game. So uh, I, I've I've got to ask how how involved are you in cracking boxes right now, Charlie? Like with the the stores that I work with, uh, is they uh, we usually uh, look at the product, look at the numbers that we want to buy, and look at the the early pre-orders. Like most of the products that we that we buy, uh, it's you have to uh, fill in your pre-orders a month before actual release. So nine out of ten times you order blind um, but with the the major expansions for instance with the Goria, uh boxes are widely available so if you think like okay we're gonna open 30 boxes uh, or 60 boxes you can probably order more with the distributor and and uh, have the boxes in hand before the actual release and like with box openings sometimes I'm just actually opening up uh, a product so that's that's I'm I'm in the the, the front of the 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 this, this deciding uh, factor of like how many stuff how many boxes are we opening, and like opening the boxes uh, on the on the release date as well. So, but for myself for myself I I barely open any products, only I think only the collective boosters and because that stuff sells so easily. And it's, those boxes are, they're easy to open. It's, it's like a, a third of a normal box. And you get so many good cards to list and, and high dollar bills to list. Uh, and I think a lot of the stores are finally seeing uh, a shift of the draft booster boxes compared to the very expensive collected booster boxes. So if I remember right, you were selling Ikoria collector booster cards before actually getting them in hand right yeah so how does that how does that uh work i know tcg doesn't allow it unless you're a uh super high end store brick and mortar and you jump through all these hoops around but i guess uh, mcm allows it to do it yeah 
yeah any uh, any professional seller so professional you can even be like a, a, a tiny uh, one guy operation uh, if you have a, a business license you can pre-order on card market and like with, with pre-ordering it's it's it can be scary with the new product that they are releasing uh, because like the the first collector's boost boxes uh, that were released with uh, a throne of Eldraine, you had no idea how uh, what the drop rate was uh, what what you could expect from the collectors boosters so putting up pre-orders is scary like putting up uh, should i put up four of each extended art when opening 40 boxes or are they more rare and we've i think we finally m met a sort of a, a a set system on how many you should be expecting to open from a certain amount of boxes but with like the core set they changed it again so uh, now pre-ordering is, is is again a bit scary so like the stores that i work with they 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 probably will list lower amounts and just hope to see early releases of videos like um what, what we had with ikoria it was really strange because we were looking at the collector's booster boxes being opened in japan on youtube to get a grasp on the drop rates and what to expect and what have you found from um people that have buyers remorse in terms of they buy a card from you a month in advance and then two weeks later they say oh the price is much lower now i don't want to buy that anymore can you cancel yeah. my order yeah uh, in europe uh consumers are are uh protected uh, on card markets so they can always cancel their pre-orders right but the, the the opposite side of that's not true if you sell a card for five dollars that later goes up to ten you can't it, just say a, no sorry yeah, no, we, no, we don't want to sell it to street. anymore yeah it's a one-way yeah. street we have to fulfill the orders and customers can just outright cancel so it's <laughs> a scary game <laughs> yeah it sounds uh it sounds risky <laughs> Yeah, but it's uh, it's something uh, you yeah you take into consideration. And like if it happens a lot with stores that certain people just pre-order everything that you put up and they just cancel any like with any price increase or decrease, you'll just ban them because it, it, you you can't service those kind of people. Yeah. And like banning is a soft soft method because they can create a new account and then they can do the game all over again. But yeah. It's it's the only way that we can sort of protect ourselves. And have so you calculated the uh, the uh, the va amount of time it takes to sort and crack and sell and all the man hours that go into it and no, figure out not, how much it actually actually makes um, you per hour? That, that's a bit that's a bit of the problem with the the the, the power settlers uh, is they have such a wide inventory and they um, like. Nine out of ten times uh, on release date, they should have fifty percent of their investment back on the on the actual product, but it doesn't account for all the cross sales, and that the cross sales is very important for the big stores because they need other other stagnant inventory to move. Mm. So yeah, it makes yeah, sense. It, it just looking at the raw numbers from like our sales for Ecoria is three thousand euros. And we invested six thousand, so and we made a loss. No, you still have four thousand worth of inventory. He also sold five k of old inventory because of the pre-sale. So yeah, it's it's 
So would you suggest to the average player that maybe can only crack three to six boxes, that the best approach is to open them as quickly as possible, list them as quickly as possible, oh, definitely. and look at it as kind of a way to accumulate a lot of um, playables that maybe you didn't sell or... You know, you want to get a playset of this or that rare, yeah. and yeah. you want to Those, do it at the lowest possible cost. Yeah, just list list the 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 expensive items that you pulled that you don't want to keep, and don't don't try and list all all the the commons and the uncommons and all the all the crap that you get in the box. It's it's not worth your time. If you yeah, really that's... really are bored, you can list it, but it's it's otherwise it's you're fighting against uh, stores that that open a thousand boxes that's one of the reasons i i really liked mystery boosters is that you didn't end up with 500 copies of a common for every one rare that you wanted you ended up with a lot of a lot of bulk but it was individual it was three copies of that two copies of this one copy of this that you know it made for such a variety of of uh bulk cards that i found that i actually opened uh half uh, about 10 boxes and listed them as quickly as possible and selling maybe 10% of the cards I pulled out. I made my money back on those 10 boxes and I was yeah, left only, over with thousands of cards that you, know, you only sold the, the big items, right? Like the, the big playables. Right. The, if yeah. it was under five bucks, I didn't worry about listing it. Uh, uh, because we like with one of the defenders that I work with, we opened 60 or 70 boxes and it was so much work on sorting the set because it's so big it's it's a real horror for stores really to to uh, sort that set because 1800 cards it's just insane like uh, in in the color green uh, for the letter c i think you uh, uh, you have like 40 different cards for that specific range and it's just retarded <laughs> yeah my uh, my pro tip for cracking master or mystery boosters is to sort them into 15 different piles as you crack each pack because yeah. that way you won't have to sort between different stack you you know you know that if you're going to sort it it's all in that one stack but if you clump all the the 10 commons together it's going to be a nightmare trying to sort yeah, those yeah, individually yeah. later indeed i was just going to say if there's any store that does not want the boxes uh, we will be happily take them <laughs> We're actually looking forward to to see what's what's going to happen with the retail with, with not the retail with the convention boxes since there is not going to be any more uh, events. Uh, uh, we are actually curious to see what how Standard Parable will handle those. We did just wait for 2021 uh, 2021 uh, events, or will it just dump to a to a distributor? No, nobody knows. And I think I think that's the the hard questions that we're asking right now. We've seen uh, Channel Fireball events start outing some of the uh, convention promos. We've seen uh, some of that happening at, as far as a, a larger level uh, with Star City Games. Um, as we examine the future of Magic Finance, uh, what what would you say to somebody that's approaching uh, Magic Finance right now? Uh, what would you suggest that they do with boxes? What would you suggest that they would do with uh, with their little bit of money that they're bringing in? Uh, Bacon, do you have any comments for us regarding uh, finance right now? Comments in general? Uh, yeah. The only, yeah. The only real kind of comment that I can push towards finance now is 
from a uh, global market point of view, and, and that really is that the markets are beginning to reopen again. COVID is beginning to uh, not go away, but uh, it's beginning to lift. I've been able to get a couple of packages in from uh, Melbourne and New Zealand in the last week and a half. Um, uh, I'm still having a few issues getting uh, from certain areas like Spain and France and uh, it, there has been a few issues getting a bit in from there but channels have now opened up to the US um, I managed to get um, a, an order to Virginia within four days uh, I got a buy list order to Abu Games within five days which I struggled to do pre-COVID um, so th things are just beginning to slowly reopen and the opportunities are more visible because they haven't really been touched for the last three to four months. And, and Charlie, from your perspective, uh, being in the Netherlands and uh, running tournaments, what, what would you say to uh, regarding MTG Finance right now? I, I really want to urge people on not dumping all their cards at the moment because that's a consensus that I see around a lot of the competitive players is hold on to your cards don't don't sell out and dump everything because you're probably gonna feel sorry for yourself in in the next six to 12 months when everything is back to sort of normal uh because yeah it's it's just not a, a, a very good time i think to sell your cards because everything is especially the competitive tables is they're just very depressed so keep on to your cards I'll, I'll happily buy them from you, but yeah, I'd rather have uh, competitive paper magic uh, be a thing in uh, 2021. I tend to agree with you. 2021 is looking to be the the beginning of MTG uh, competitive play once again. But at this time, Coda, as as your perspective, being a person that that specializes in arbitrage and, and trading cards from from store to store. What are what advice would you give right now to uh, people that are involved in MTG Finance? Well, everybody of us has a very different style uh, of doing MTG Finance. My general advice is don't don't go faster. Uh, I I don't think there is a a way for to predict where uh, the market uh, will be next year because. We right now the, all the prices are depressed, depressed because a lot of players a lot of players are selling their collections. There is not a lot of events, so vendors can't refill their inventories. Major stores have depressed buy lists because they don't know what is where this is going. We don't know what kind of reprints are happening this summer. There are too many unknowns, and so um, either go uh, for the immediate flip. I mean, just. Take the card and sell it immediately. Like we've seen for the uh, Bogart, the Black Globin, uh, people were able to buy it for 30 cents and sell it immediately for $3. Mm -hmm. Alternatively, just to arbitrage, like drop, drop, drop ship arbitrage, like our patrons can, Master of Coin can do, and I would invite people to join our patrons so that they can access our, our tools. And uh, when whenever we add more, more slots to Master of Coin, join our arbitrage group alternatively go for the long term like uh, uh i'm i haven't i have started the for, since a few years so I, i'm still relatively new to to see that investing but i like just depositing 
like a thousand a thousand by lists uh, into a brick that I can put in my closet and I don't have to think about it. Uh, both for nostalgia and for long-term investment. Everything that is in between, it's fair game. If you think you're you're doing good in, in holding a card for one two years, uh, sure. But the risk of reprint is just too, too high, for, in my opinion. I tend to agree with you. There's a lot of things that could be hidden in holding on to cards, but uh, the the reality is, and the thing that Wolf would tell us even now is that uh, if we aren't tracking what we've bought and sold, we aren't really doing finance at all. And the data proves our profitability. Uh, Papa, what final advice would you give us? Yeah, the best advice I can give you guys is to, if you're not already, sign up for Patreon. Um, and, I, and I know it sounds like the th same thing everyone says at every podcast, except that... I don't know anyone that can't make 10 times over their Patreon um, level they've put in at, uh, you know, just two bucks gets you, uh, I think you have to correct me. I don't know if it's two or $5 gets to the, uh, the newspaper access, which by itself can make you 10 bucks a day. No problem. But again, we're, we're free to try right now and for the next few weeks. So you don't actually have to, pay a lot to come in and check us out um but if you're serious about trying to make money on magic uh i would suggest looking into our discord and consider joining that's my best advice i tend to agree with you uh, right now mtg finance is in a, a unique place in the world uh, we are seeing a number of cards that uh, that are being banned and a number of things that are being corrected from MTG's history. And as such, we are trying to stay ahead of the curve and to be able to care for those people that have been impacted the most uh, by some of the most difficult things that our world has ever seen uh, over the past six months. Uh, just today, I was contemplating with a client of mine what has happened in the last six months and her life has completely changed and it feels like not much, uh, not much that there has been so much time that has passed between those changes. But uh, the thing that she told me was that I am moving forward. I'm not looking back at the things that were. I'm looking ahead to what we can accomplish better together. And she uh, really emphasized to me that there is healing and hope in life and i would encourage you as well that there is profits and margins to be made in mtg finance in the coming weeks and months uh so thank you for joining us here on the bandwidth uh, we hope that you enjoy this beautiful evening and uh remember to love your family well and love your neighbor as yourself have a good night everybody and cut